I want you to take your Bibles, turn with me to Mark, the book of Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. We are going to have so much fun today. We had fun last week, we're going to have more fun today. Mark chapter 11. All righty. Mark chapter 11. We started last week talking about the tongue, taming the tongue. Now, a lot of folks, when you say we're going to talk about the tongue, they go, oh, no, I'm going to start keeping my mouth shut. Well, no, actually, I want you to open your mouth. I don't mean just for a dentist to look in. I want you to open your mouth and start saying the right thing. And we're going to see that in Scripture today. We talked last week about the power of the tongue. We looked at Proverbs 18, 21 that said this. I like to put life first. The power of life and death are in the tongue, and he who loves it will eat the fruit of it. There's power in your words. And you go eat what you say. We saw that last week. We saw it in Scripture. Uh, today, today, we're going to talk about you will have what you say. You will have what you say. So obviously, if you're going to have what you say, you need to start saying the right thing, don't you? You will have what you say. We're going to talk to you about the law of spoken word. The law of spoken word. Now, I want you to listen to me. God Almighty, who created the universe and everything there is, He put laws in the universe. They're there. We have natural laws in the universe that are not going to be broken. For instance, the law of gravity is a natural law. If you don't believe it, jump off a building. But there's a law of gravity. The law of centrifugal force is a law of nature. Uh, aerodynamics is a law that breaks the law of gravity, but it's still a law, aerodynamics. Well, just as there are physical laws in the universe, there are spiritual laws in place in this universe. You're not going to break them. And they're set. And we have to learn to cooperate with them. For instance, the, some of the spiritual law, the law of sowing and reaping. The Bible talks about the law of sowing and reaping. Whatever a man sows, that shall he reap. Let me help you understand this. You treat people good, you're going to be treated good. Treat people like crap, you're going to get crapped on. I'm just a little plain language, but that's the, that's the law of sowing and reaping. The law of the harvest is in effect, which says this, give, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down. It's just a, it's a law. You're not going to break it. You've got to learn to cooperate with it. The law of forgiveness. You don't forgive people, you will not be forgiven. You forgive people and show mercy, You'll be forgiven. Blessed are the merciful. They shall receive mercy. That's the law of forgiveness. Well, there's a law. There's an eternal spiritual law called the law of spoken word. That's the law of spoken word. And you, you, this may be new to you, but I want you to do something. I want you to see if you see it in the Bible or am I making it up? I want you to look in God's word and it's, it's taught in Mark chapter 11. I want you to look at what happens here. Mark chapter 11, wonderful passage, verse 12, Mark 11, 12. Now, the next day, when Je we're talking about Jesus and his, and his disciples, helpers, when they had come out from Bethany, Jesus was hungry. They're traveling. Seeing afar, from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. He came to it. He found nothing but leaves. It was not the season for fig. figs. In response, Jesus spoke to it. Does that bother y'all? Y'all embarrassed? You embarrassed for him? He's got people all around him and he's talking to a bush. Jesus spoke to it. Watch this. Nobody will ever eat fruit from you again. They're just walking. By the way, they're headed to the temple. They're traveling. And Jesus is hungry. He sees a fig bush. So he goes over. They follow him. He just stands there and looks at it. No figs. He said, nobody will ever eat a fig off you again. And you know, the disciples, they just looked at each other and said, you know, Jesus. And then they just went on to the temple. Went on and did their thing in the temple. All right, the Bible said they went to the temple. That's when he cleaned it up. He goes back, spends the night on the Mount of Olives. The next morning, he's on the same trail headed back to the temple. Watch what happens the next morning. Verse 20, in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Isn't that something? Let's, 24 hours later, they walk by and there's that same you know, fig bush. I got some in my yard that big. And that thing is dead as a rake. It's dried up. It's brown. It's just laying there. And they saw that thing. And I want you to look what, what happened. Verse 21, Peter remembering said to him, teacher, rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has died, withered. Now let me, let me rescue Jesus here. He didn't cuss that bush out. In the Bible, curse doesn't mean use cuss words. Curse means to speak against, to speak negative, speak bad against. And he cursed and he said, they're, they're walking, aren't you? they're walking. And, and all, Peter's looking back, he says, rabbi, ma master, Look at that bush. That bush you spoke to ugly yesterday is as dead as a rake. 
Well, I don't know if he's put rake in there, but he said it's, it's dead. That bush that you talked ugly to is dead. Peter was shocked. How many of you know that, that what he said had to have something to do with it? That's what the obvious inference. You don't see something even funnier? Look at verse 22. The Bible said this. So, because they saw what he said came to pass, Jesus sent, said to them, I want you to start doing it. He said, have faith in God. Now, listen to me. We've got to learn what faith means because you don't have to be a Bible scholar to see right there what we've been calling faith and what he's calling faith is two different things. He said, he said Master, he said, you spoke to that thing and something happened to it. And Jesus said, I want you to start doing the same thing. I want you to start having faith in God. You know what he called talking to something and seeing what he said come to pass? What did Jesus call it? He called it faith in God. He called it faith in God. Now, there was a lot of people will say, well, you know, you know I, I believe in God. Well, congratulations. That's devil level faith. You know, the book of James says even the devil believes in God, but he's not going to heaven. There was faith in God got to be more than just believing he exists. According to this passage, what is faith in God? It's to say something and watch it come to pass. Can you see that clearly? He said, have faith in God. Now, let me do something. I don't like to use Greek much in, in, uh, in this book. It's very important here that we do this. You understand the New Testament wasn't written in English. It was written, English wasn't even invented back. It was written in Greek and it's translated into English. Here's the problem. It's hard to translate from Greek to English. It's not an exact science. Now, English to Spanish, they're both Latin based. That's pretty easy. But Greek to English is hard. I want you to look at the words, have faith in God. Uh, well, they're the words, exete pestein theos. And they're better translated. Like Here's a better translation. Have faith from God. Or it's best translated like this. Exercise the faith of God exercise the faith that God exercises. What did Jesus say? You start doing the same thing. When I you standing there, number one, you're just shocked because he spoke to a bush and it died. He turns around and says, I want you to do it. And you go, okay, okay. And uh, here's my question. Is verse 22, is that just to Simon or is that to me and you? Friend, the word of God is to me and you. And Jesus has told me, you say, do you mean you think I could do that? Look right here. I think verse 22 is a command telling you to do it. I think we're all called to exercise faith. I think it's important that we have faith in God, believe that he is, but to start doing it. This is the power of the spoken word as the scripture speaks. You, you can see it so clearly here. And then, now listen to me. He not only told them, I want you to start doing the same thing. He explained exactly what faith in God is in verse 23. Let's read it together. Verse 23 says this. Assuredly, I say to you, Jesus talking, what's the word whoever means? Is that you? All right. Whoever speaks to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done. He will have what he says. Tell me what faith in God is. It involves two things in there. What's the two things you say? Number one, you got to get it down in your heart. Where else does it have to be? It's got to be in your mouth. You got to, he said, if you believe in your heart and you speak with your mouth, what you say is going to happen. And not only is it possible, Jesus told you to do it. He told you to do it. This is called having faith in God or exercising faith in God. This is called the law of a spoken word. And uh, we've seen, now listen, by the way, do you notice in that passage, it works both ways. It works for good or bad. It doesn't say you'll have what you say for the good. You can speak bad things and you'll have bad things. But you can speak the promises of God in truth and they will come to pass in your life. Faith is not just to believe, it's to believe and... Tell me something. What three words do you see in verse 23? What one word do you see three times in there? Whoever speaks and says, he'll have what he says we got to learn about the importance of speaking and the importance of talking. How would you like to be able to have whatever you say? What does verse 23 say right there? Friend, faith, listen to me. Faith is to take your words and take your life where you want it to be. Faith is to learn to use your words and take your life where you want it to be. I want to go back and quote a verse from last week. James chapter 3 was talking about the tongue. Verse 4 says this. Look at the ships. See how great big a ship. 
But that ship goes wherever the captain wants it to go by using a very small rudder. Got it? He said, so is the tongue in James chapter 3. You take the rudder and I can take that ship wherever I want to. What did he say in that passage? I can take my tongue and take my life wherever I want it to be. To have faith in God means to learn to speak in such a way that you can take your life wherever you want it to go. Boy, what a tremendous promise this is. Now I'm going to give you some examples. I'm going to give you one example here about the, the law of the power of spoken word. And it's a negative one. It works positive and negative. You can destroy with your tongue. Amen. The power of death's in the tongue. You can give life with your tongue. Amen. The power of life's in the tongue. Proverbs 18, 21. I'm going give you an example. The man who mentored me and helped me so much, <clears throat> he was an evangelist. He wasn't past as an evangelist. And he had a man that worked for him. A young man worked for him. And uh, after a while, he quit working for him and went to work in business. They were still close friends. Stayed there in the town he lived in, his hometown there. And after a couple years, he got a call and he said that he has gotten sick and he's in the hospital. He's in a coma and he's not doing well at all. We want you to come pray for him. Could you come pray for him? He said, I'd be glad to. So he got in his car and went down to the medical center there and went into his room. And there was nobody in his room except his pastor, his pastor, because he was a member of a local church. His pastor was in there. So he said, I, you know, I wanted to come pray for him. The family called me. He said, well, good. I'm glad you're here. We'll both just pray for him. And he said, I got on one side of the bed. He got on the other and said, we begin to pray. And we begin to pray in the spirit, begin to pray in tongues, just prayed for a while. He said, all of a sudden in my spirit, just out of my spirit came these words. Spiritual laws have been set in motion and it's too late to turn them around. Release his spirit to me and let him come home. He said, that wasn't me. That's not what I wanted. He was too young to die. He said, I want him to live. He said, I told the pastor, let me tell you what I think he just heard in my spirit. He said, I told the pastor and the pastor said, I expected that. That's exactly what I expected. So they waited until the family got there. They gathered around, they prayed, released his spirit to the Lord and he was going home within an hour. Two days later, he's at the funeral home visiting the family because he's friends with the family, loved the boy. And they was visiting with the family and he got to talking to his brother, this boy who died, talking to his brother on the side. He said, let me tell you what I think the Lord said to him. His brother was wondering, why, why did this happen? And he told him exactly what came up in his spirit. And his brother said, I knew that's what it was. He said, I knew that's exactly what it was. He said, from the time he was an older teenager, I heard him say no few times, I'll never live to see 40. He said, I don't know where he got it from. I don't know where it came from, but he was convinced he would not live to be an old man. And he would say, I'll never live to be 40. And he said, I heard him say it no few times. And he said, he wasn't playing either. He, he meant it. And he said, I, he called his mother over there to us. And he said, I told it and said, the boy told his mother what I'd said. And she said, I heard that no few times myself. Spiritual laws have been set in motion that can't be turned around now. Who set the spiritual laws in motion? You will have, if you believe in your heart, you're going to have what you say. And that boy believed, I don't know how somehow, Jesus didn't put it in his heart. Jesus never contradicts his word. The days of our lives are not 40 years. The days of our lives are 70 years. And if by strength 80, and if you're 80, don't worry, you can go on further than that if you're healthy. So the devil must have put it in his heart. Something got in his head and then it got in his heart. And then he said it out loud and guess what? The power of death in his tongue killed him. He died at 39 years and eight months. Four months before he turned 40, it was not, listen, he went to heaven, but that wasn't God's best for him because he spoke something and he believed it. What's Mark 11, 22, 23 tell me and you? Your faith can shape your, you can take your, wherever you want to go like it. I've seen this happen over and over where people don't know and they're so adamant in what they believe, I can't change them about it. But as we, we got to go with God's word. We got to go with God's word. Amen. Let me give you another example. Right here in this church, years ago, I had a lady came here. She had a lot of problems in life. She was just one of them that things had not gone well with her. I mean, she was, her husband had left her trying to raise kids by herself. And she was a fine lady. She loved God. She did the best she could. She wasn't evil. I couldn't understand it. And everything in her life was a mess. It, she just went from one bad mess to another. And there was always an old dark cloud over. And I thought, I don't understand this. Then was Jesus didn't die for us to live under a cloud. And he didn't die for us to live on the bottom and be kicked around. I couldn't understand it. And I'm talking to her one day and something bad had happened. Something had gone wrong and she was upset and I was trying to encourage her. And finally, and, and she just opened her mouth and she said, I am such a loser. 
and said it so passionately. And then she started crying. And I, when she said that, I said, now I understand it. Now I understand it. The power of life and death is in your tongue and you are going to eat the fruit of what you say. She, be- I don't know where it got in there. God didn't put it in there. God don't make losers. God makes champions, conquerors, overcomers. But it got in her heart somehow. Maybe a parent put it in there. Maybe a t- I don't know. Maybe her husband told her that. But that got in her heart and she believed it and she would say it. And guess what? She set spiritual laws in motion that cannot be turned around. And I never could get her to see you're doing this to yourself with your mouth. You got to start believing what God says and change what's in your heart and change what's in your mouth. And you'll change your life by changing your words. Got to change the way you talk like this. Can you see this? Can you see this clearly in Mark 11, 22 and 20? I'm not making this up. This is the clear teaching of scripture. I I used to wonder, I used to wonder if God is so good and Jesus died to do so many things for people, how come they're not getting them? How come it's not happening? Here's the answer right here. He makes that, listen, Jesus died to give us every blessing under heaven from Abraham. The heavenly father's blessing. You say, well, when are they going to happen? When you start saying it. You, you speak it and it comes into your life as you speak. Scripture is very clear about this. Now, I want you to notice it works in two parts. This can't be in your head. You can't just talk out of your intellect. It's got to be in your heart. Did Jesus not clearly say in Mark eleven twenty three, 23, you got to believe in your heart. And there's a difference between your heart and your head, your spirit and your head. And where else has it got to be? It's got to be on your lips. Let me ask you a question. I just want you to take some time this week. I want you to just review. What have I been saying about myself? Have I been talking about myself? Have I been talking about my family? What have I been saying about my future? I want you to just think about your words. Let me tell you something. If you'll let me listen to you talk, I can tell you what your life's like. You know why? Because you're going to have what you say. Well, you know, if you don't know any better, you don't know any better. But praise God, we need to know better and change the way we talk. And change our lives like that. I'm turn to Romans chapter 10. Let me show you that. Romans chapter 10 is the great passage on what faith is. Now, dear ones, faith is not just believing there's a God. That, I guess that's a better than believing there's not one, but it's not much going to happen in your life just believing he exists. I mean, the devil believes he exists. You've got to believe he's going to do something for you. You've got to believe his word in your heart. You've got to say it. Now, I want you to look with me about the different... A lot of people say they believe things, but I can tell it's just in their head. It's not in their heart. Head faith ain't going to do a thing for you. With the heart, man believeth. Let me give you an instance. I'm talking with a fellow a while back, and he was struggling. He didn't think he could do something, and, I, and he was whining. Uh, you know, it was a prayer request, but it was whining. And he was talking to me and I said, listen to me. I said, you can, he said, I know, I know, Brother Brown. I can do all things through Christ who trusts me. I said, you do not know that. I said, you don't know that. And I was stern with him. We're friends, I could be stern with him. I said, you don't know that. I said, you just spoke that out of your head, but that's not what's in your heart. In your heart, you don't think you can do it. He said, you know what, you're right. I said, of course I am. I said, no, I'm not right. God's word's right. And see, he thought because he puked it back out of his intellect but what was in his heart was, my family's going to fail. Mm-hmm. You don't believe in your head. You believe with your heart. Yeah. Let me show you where it's got to be. Romans chapter 10, verse 8 says this. What does it say? The word of God, the word is near you, two places, in your mouth and in your heart. Where's the word got to be? It's got to be in your heart. Where else has it got to be? Yeah. It's not even good enough to get it in your heart. It's got to be in your mouth. Yeah. Watch this. The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is what? The word of faith. Dear ones, faith is when God's word gets down in your heart and then you say it in your mouth. Now, <clears throat> once in a while, somebody would be ugly to me and they'll say, oh, you sound to me like one of them faith preachers. Lock me up. I plead guilty. What does it say? The word of faith, which we what? Preach. Let me tell you why I believe in faith and why I like to preach faith. This is one of my favorite topics. Let me tell you why. Number one, you can't be saved without faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> Number 2, you can't even walk this walk without faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we walk by faith, not our feelings and what we see. Praise God. Number 3, you can't receive anything from heaven unless it's by faith. Matthew chapter 10, 
be it unto you according to God's will, your faith. Number four, you can't accomplish anything great without faith. Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, Moses led the people out. By faith, Noah saved his family. By faith, Abraham built a city. By faith, Sarah received strength. Time would fail me to tell you about Gideon, Samson, Barak, Jephthah, who through faith shut the mouths of lions. How many of you'd like to shut the lion's mouth once in a while? Out of weakness were made strong, obtained promises, grew valiant in battle by faith. Well, let me throw in one more, number five. You can't even please God without faith. Hebrews eleven six, without faith it's impossible to please him because if you come to him, you've got to believe that he is and you've got to believe he's going to reward me for seeking him. Amen. So yes, I just want to throw, I sold all that in for free. I preach faith. I think it's a good thing. The Bible's very clear. You've got to get the word in your mouth and you've got to get it in your heart. Look at verse 10. For with the mind, no, with the heart, man believes. Let me help you here. How do you get the word of God from your intellect down into your spirit? Friend, having it in your head don't help you a bit. How do you get it down into your spirit? You ever heard of meditation? How many of you meditate? We all do. We all do. Meditation means to get something inside of your head and then think on it and chew on it and dwell on it. And as you dwell on something and chew on it, it moves from your head down into your spirit. It gets down in your heart. Let's see if you ever heard this before. The more I thought about it, the madder I got. You ever heard that? You know what you're doing? You took an event that was registered in your intellect and you chewed on it till it landed down in your spirit and grew up in there. You, were, you meditated that offense. Well, let me tell you what I've quit doing. I've quit thinking about stuff like that. I'm not going to say the more I think about it, the madder I got. I've started chewing on God's word and the more I thought about it, the happier I got. That's exactly what it is. Praise God. And the stronger I got. Meditation is to take a great truth or a lie and just roll it over and over in your mind, chew on it until it gets down in your heart. And it, here's the proper theological term. You just know when you know her. I mean, it just grows like cheap bubble gum. You chew it and it just grows. It just gets right down here and you just, you know. That's how you get it from your head down to your heart. That's why it's important what we dwell on. And, the, you know, the Bible is pretty clear about that. All right. Now. Let me tell you something. God Almighty created every person to be successful in everything they do. Every single one. And there's no excuse for every person not being successful in everything they do. I said, Brother Brian, no, no, no. Listen to me. God Almighty holds the key. But I'm the one that releases it. Listen to this. I have set before you an open door. And nobody can shut it. I have the key of David and what I open, nobody shuts and what I shut, nobody opens. I have put before you an open door. Demons, if you're not successful in everything you do, it, listen, look, look right here. It ain't nobody's fault, but your own. You got that look as in you better show me that. Turn me to the first page of the Bible. Turn to Genesis chapter one, first page of the Bible. Let's find out why he stuck you on this planet. Genesis chapter one. Now listen, don't get ill with me. Say, thanks, I needed that. Genesis chapter one. How many of you believe that you're the byproduct of a slug crawling out of the ocean? And how many of you believe God created the heavens and the earth and created you in his image? All right, watch it. Here it is in Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Verse 27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. You were made by God in his image. That's why you can have the faith of God. Now, I want you to watch this. Verse 28. Then God blessed them. Friend, you've been created by God and you've been blessed by God. What's the first thing he ever said? And God said to them, what's the first thing he ever said? Be successful. Fruitful means successful. It doesn't mean have children. That's the multiply part. He said, be successful. Listen, God created you. He blessed you before you were ever born. And what did he, listen, he didn't make it available. He commanded you be successful. Can you see it clearly? Friend, God created every person in his image, blessed them, gave them his word and commanded them to be successful. Listen, success is not just that you get a bunch of money. Success starts on the inside. 
Success is called righteousness, peace and joy, contentment and happiness on the inside. Success is good relationships. Success is a great marriage. It's a great family. It's enjoying every day and it is doing good in business. I want you to listen to 3 John 2. This is one of the greatest verses ever. I wish that you would prosper in all things, all things, and be in health even as your soul prospers. I want you to listen to what he said. I want you, and notice it's in inverted order. I want you to prosper on the inside first in your soul. I want you to have peace on the inside. I want you to be content. I want you to find happiness on the inside. And I want you to be in health. And then I want you to prosper in everything you do. Who wrote the Bible? Yeah, when success is the thread all through the Bible. And you can see here where he gave it to us clearly to do that. Now, <clears throat> listen to me. Even if God Almighty created you, even if He blessed you, and even if He wants you to be successful, it don't fall on you like a ripe cherry. There's something you got to do to get it, and you don't have to earn it. Jesus paid for it. But there is something you have to do. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. Let's look at it. Sixth book in the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. I love, listen, I have eat this passage and eat this passage. I chew on this all the time. I mean, it's like that homemade ice cream. I keep pulling it out of the freezer and keep chewing on it. This is good stuff here. Joshua chapter one, let me tell you where we're at. The world's greatest leader, the greatest leader in world history has just died. Historians, Christian and non-Christian, secular, all agree that the man Moses was the greatest human leader in world history. Who do you know that's a greater leader than Moses in world history? He took two million people, broke them out of captivity, led them for 40 years through the wilderness with no convenience stores. Taking them to a place that God had promised them. He's the greatest leader in world history. Where was he trying to, where was he supposed to take them to? Does anybody remember? Taking them to the, I am bound for thee. Here's a hint. I'm bound for thee. Promised land. Did he get them in? He died suddenly. He died when they were within sight of the promised land. He died suddenly. Nobody expected it. The Bible said God took him on a mountain and buried him. He didn't even want him to have the bones. All right, you've got two million people in the wilderness holding on to a promise and their leader all of a sudden dies suddenly. Moses had a helper. His name was Joshua. Moses died at 80. Joshua was 40. All of a sudden, you just his helper. Two million eyes turn to you and say, you in charge now. How'd you like to be there? This is one of the most difficult assignments ever given a human in history. And Joshua's got to take over now. And he's just a young man. I mean, to lead this kind of crowd. And watch what the Bible said. This is a great passage right here. Verse 2, Joshua 1, 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now get up. Go over this Jordan. You and all this people to the land which I'm given to them. And then he describes the exact territory. Verse 4. This is one of the dullest verses in the Bible, but it's one of the greatest verses in the Bible. He said, here's from the wilderness, this Lebanon, far as the great river, Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great seed of the going down of the sun shall be your territory. How many of you got that on your refrigerator? I don't look like much, does it? I want you to notice God said, I have got a specific territory cut out for you. Here it is specifically. And if you know anything about it, that's a big one right there. If you know geography, that is the exact dimension of Israel, nation Israel today. Let me tell you something. He has got an exact specific plan for your life just as surely as he did for them. And it's big. It's bigger than anything you could imagine. So he said, I'm going to give it to you. But now watch this. Well, I'm just going to throw all this in for free. Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I'm not going to leave you. Verse 6, be strong and of good courage. To this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to give them. Listen to me. Dads, Divide to your children the land God gave them. It's your responsibility to take your family into that land. It's your responsibility to get in there and take people with you. He said, listen, be strong. I'm going to give this to you. I want you to do this. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous that you may observe according to the law that Moses gave to do what I told you. Don't turn to the right or the left. What's the last words in verse 7? That you may be successful wherever you go. All right, you think God wanted him to be successful? All right, you will. Now, listen, let's get to the key verse here. He told him exactly how to do it. Read verse 8 with me. This book of the law shall not depart from your, from your what? 
You've got to get what I'm saying in your mouth. Now, it didn't mean thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not cuss. He said, what I just told you, you are going to be successful. You're going to lead your family. You're going to lead this people into the land. You're going to be strong. I'm going to be with you as I was with Moses. He said, that's got to be in your mouth. He said, what I've told you has got to be in your mouth. Let's read it. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall chew on it. Meditate on it all the time. When you get up in the morning, son, I want you to walk around saying, God is with me. God is going to lead us into this land. I'm going to lead all these people into the place God gave them. God is never going to lead me as God was with Moses, so he be with me. When you're eating lunch, I want you to be chewing on that sandwich and chewing on my word. God is going to be with me. God is going to lead me into the land. My family is going to do well. Can you see what he said? He said, my promises cannot depart. You, you chew on them. Meditate means just chew. Get it down in it. Quit chewing on the news. Quit chewing. Listen, quit chewing on the bad news and start chewing on the good news. If I put an old stale bologna sandwich out in front of you and it's got green slime all over it and it's moldy and mildew, why would you pick that up when there's prime rib over here? Talk to me. My goodness. It's a mystery. I'm sorry. I sort of got off the side there. You shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. Watch these words. You will make your way prosperous. You will have good success. Friend, if God doesn't want you to be successful, why did he tell you over and over and over in this book how to do it? I want you to notice something. Everything where he talks about success in this book, it always goes back to two things. What is it? Meditate in your heart and then get it in your mouth. You got to get it in your heart, then you got to get it in your mouth. He told him, he said, son, this is sign. Now listen, this is sign that's more than you can handle. This is way over your head, but I'm going to be with you. And you're not only going to get everything I've promised, here's, your, here's the tremendous territory I've promised you. You're going to get it and you're going to take your family in there and you're going to take people with you. But listen, you've got to chew on my promises all the time and you've got to say what I say. Yeah. And if you'll start, I'm going to say it again. We're going to, get we're going to go real slow because we're going to get this. If you'll chew on it and keep saying it, you will be responsible for your success. And you're going to be successful. And what do he say? In everything you do. Everything you touch is going to turn to gold. If you'll do what I tell you to do. And you'll be very successful in this. I want you to, uh, let's look at one more. Turn me to Psalm chapter one. Turn to the right a little bit. I'm going to say it again. I never understood for the life of me. I read the Bible. and I'm, I'm one of them strange Christians and strange preachers. I just believe the Bible. I just read it and say, well, that right there's what he said. It looks like, looks like what he said to me. Thank God I never went to seminary. Nobody ever explained it away to me. I never had a reason to believe it wasn't true. I'm a truck driver. I just believe it what's written. I just believe that Jesus died so that folks could be blessed beyond measure. But I was always puzzled. Listen, some of the best people, I've been pastoring 40 years, some of the best people, good people, they weren't, they weren't sinning on the side. They did the best they could, but it seemed like they never had the true blessing of God on their lives. I couldn't understand it. And I would pray, well, oh, these are good people. They, they love you. How come your blessing's not on their lives? And then I began to see this in Scripture, and I said, now I see why. And he'd say to me, go listen to the way they talk. Go listen to the way they talk. Listen to what they really believe in their heart. Say, well, Brother Brown, you can't know what's in somebody's heart. How many of you think that? How many think you can't know what's in somebody's heart? I sure can. You say, you got one of them gifts. Yeah, I got a gift. I got a Bible. You know how I can know what's in people's hearts? Listen to what Jesus said. Matthew 12, 34. Out of the abundance of the heart... The mouth speaks. You let me listen to you talk and I'll tell you what's in your heart and I'll tell you where you're headed in life. I hear people say stuff like this. I can't do anything right. And they're not joking. I hear, I hear the emotion in it. And guess what? Guess what? Uh, my son got a letter a week or so ago from Mr. Everett, who owns the BP station down there at Airhead. Y'all need to go see Mr. Everett. I think he's one of the greatest Christians I've ever met. And he had a letter to my son. And on the front, listen to, what it said, listen to what it said. This is just one of them stamps that was on the front of his letter. And it said, if you think you can't or you think you can, you're right. I thought that's pretty good preaching right there for a guy who owns a gas station, isn't it? Listen to, I would listen to people talk and realize it's not how well you behave. It is by faith. 
And faith is getting it in your heart and getting it in your mouth. And I found the reason. Psalm chapter 1, everybody needs to memorize this. I memorized it years ago. Because let me tell you something. I don't believe this crap. I'm sorry, I quit saying that. I don't believe this junk that I was taught as a young Christian. You know, we're just going to be egg-sucking, worm-eating, wayfaring pilgrims on the way to glory. But when we get to glory, we'll get ours. I don't believe that stuff. I don't believe God created me to suck eggs and crawl like a worm. I don't believe I'm supposed to have just a few more weary days and then we'll fly away. Why don't you just go ahead and fly away now? The innocent stadium's going to be that bad. I don't believe we're supposed to just suffer and struggle. I believe Jesus died so all the blessing of Abraham could come upon us in Christ Jesus. I believe we're supposed to be successful in everything we do. Hearts, homes, everything. And I just, I believe that. I knew it was in there, but I, I don't think you can earn it. And then I saw this in Psalm 1. And I said, well, there's a reason right there. Psalm chapter 1 says this, blessed is the man. You know what the word blessed means? Blessed if you're from the country. Blessed means, blessed means you're successful, but God did it. Now, dear ones, just because you're successful doesn't mean God did it. The Bible's very clear. You can be successful three ways. You can do it. If you're really sharp and you've got great opportunities, good education, good personality, some, some great opportunities, you can, be a, you can be successful yourself, business, whatever, good in family. The devil can make you successful. That's Luke chapter 4. Bow down and worship me. I'll give you everything this world's got. But I don't want to be successful. I want God to make me successful. Well, anytime you see the word blessed in the Bible, that means God's done something for you. It means God makes you successful. When I saw those words, I said, blessed is the man. I said, tell me what to do. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. What's counsel? Listening. He doesn't listen to a bunch of garbage. Guess why if you're going to be blessed, you can't listen to a bunch of garbage. Listen, listen to me. Because what you listen to in your ears, eventually is going to get down in your heart. And then it's going to come out your mouth. And guess what you're going to have? Whatever you say. Blessed is the man who realizes, I'm not listening to that junk. He doesn't stand in the path of the sinner, and he doesn't sit on his couch watching the news. Read it. What do you think it means? Sit in the seat of the scornful. How many of you know you need to get off the internet? Amen. Listen, Valley Boy 1095 in his mama's basement playing keyboard warrior, that's not what you need to be listening to. You need to be listening to the good news of God's word. Get the truth in there. Watch this. I just love this right here. His delight is in the promise of God. You know what he enjoys more than the news and the internet? He just enjoys thinking about what God said about him. And he just enjoys chewing on the promises of God. And he just, he, and look at this. And he does what? And in his law, he what? He just walks around thinking about God is going to be so good to this family. God is going to bless me in everything I do. God has got a tattoo on his arm and it's my name. You say, You read Isaiah chapter 49. Can a mother forget the son that she birthed? Can she not remember she has a nursing child? It could happen, but I will never forget you. I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. He said, I tattooed you on my, your name's on my arm. I'll never forget you. You just go around, you walk around all day thinking about stuff like that. Instead of wondering, I wonder if I can do that. Why don't you just walk around all day thinking, there's not a thing I can't do because Jesus is going to strengthen me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when somebody says, oh, it looks like they might shut the plant down. Well, praise God. Praise God. My God's going to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. You're just walking around. Instead of thinking about crap. I'm sorry. <laughs> Must be my day to be humbled. Walking around. Just walk around chewing on the promises of God. Why would you eat a bologna sandwich that's moldy when you... Well, never, we haven't been through that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Watch this. In his law, he meditates day and night. Watch the promise of God in verse 3. He will be, not he might be, he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He'll bring forth its fruit in its season. His leaf shall not wither. Why are you withering? Why are people withering? We're living in a day where people are just withering. You know, withering, as my daddy used to say, you fagged out. Means you're just discouraged, falling over. You ain't doing so good. Why are people withering today? They said, Brother Brian, have you never read the news? I read the good news. I read that the kingdom of God is going to come in this earth and his will is going to be done in this earth. And I'm in the middle of that kingdom and his glory is going to be on me and Gentiles are going to come to the light. 
Dear ones, if, you, if you'd get God's word in here and get it in here, you would not be, I started to say fagging out again. Y'all know what that means. You wouldn't be withered. Watch these words. Watch this. This caught my attention. Whatever he does shall prosper. How would you like to know everything I do is going to be successful? My business, my marriage, my relationship with my kids, everything I try to do is going to be successful. You say, well, Brother Brown, I don't know about that. What did that book say right there? Dear ones, listen to me. Listen to me. If he didn't want you to be successful, why does he keep telling you over and over here how to do it? And you notice what it always goes back to? Get this word in your heart and then get it in your mouth. This is called the law of the spoken word. Now, I want you to take some time this week. I want you to be thinking about, what have I been saying? What have I been saying? Dear ones, we have, we have totally underestimated the power of the tongue and what it's doing in our life. Listen, the tongue charts the course of our lives. I was talking with a young lady last night. She's a school teacher, high school teacher. And there's a kid came into her class this year and said, how many of you know kids get labeled? Unfortunately, let me tell you something. God Almighty is the only one got a right to put a label on you. Because teachers, principals, parents, they didn't create you. They don't own you. God owns you. He's the only one got a right to label you. Well, he was labeled a trouble kid, a bad kid. Tell teachers, watch out for him. You don't want him in your class. He came in and she said, you know what? Said he's not near as bad as they said he was. Well, neither was I. You know, I'm one of them people's side because I was one of them. Neither was I. But this boy got it in his head that he couldn't do the work and he was a loser. I don't think that was the exact phrase. He just got it in his head. I don't know where it came from. Maybe a parent. Obviously, other teachers helped it out. Well, she started talking to him and telling him, you can do it. You are able. I said, listen, you're not going to get to him the first time. You won't get to him the second time, but you keep speaking truth to him. It'll get in there. You know why that boy's like he is? He's not dumb. He's plenty intelligent. The power of life and death is in the tongue and somebody's tongue poisoned him. Now somebody got to speak life in there and reverse the curse and break the curse that's over them like that. It, it's in the tongue. All righty. Get my word in your heart, not just in your head, and then speak it out loud. All right, let's, let's, let's practice it a little bit and then we're going to go eat chicken. All right, here's the deal. I want you to practice this. Dear ones, how about me? Listen, somebody should come up with a say and put it on a poster like this. Be ye doers of the word not hearers only. I don't think I'd be a good saying right there. James, that's the book of James. Demons, this is the key. This word sets me free. When I saw this, the first thing I did is begin to practice it. I began to do, I do it all the time. People think I'm strange walking around talking to myself, but I'm having a wonderful life. Amen. People like you have a good life. Just, they should pair y'all up. You look like you're talking to each other. That's fine. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You need to talk about yourself. Have you got one of them right there? Get that. They're out there in the welcome center. You listen to what I'm fixing to say. Maybe infuse it. Listen to what I'm fixing to say. Anything you think about yourself, anything you say about yourself that doesn't line up with that right there is a devil's lie out of hell. This is truth right here. God created you. He bought you with a price. You belong to him. He's the only one got a right to say who you are. And right there it is. Now, let me give you an example. Years ago, I... <laughs> I was coming out there the service day. Kevin Hunter said, come on with me to a family reunion. I said, I'd rather have an examination. I ain't going to no family reunion. <laughs> I used to have to go to family reunions when I was young. We'd go down to the old Philadelphia church down there at Pageland, South Carolina. You know, a hundred and some family members piling there. And they'd always say the same thing to me. I believe you put on some weight, hadn't you? I'd say, yep, weighed seven pounds when I was born. and put on a good bit. Well, <laughs> I'm down there one day. I think I was 12 years old, if I remember, 12, 11. I'm saying that so I won't have any responsibility for what I said. I was 11, 12 years old, and one of my family members had a new baby. And they, you know how they ooh and ah over you when you're a baby. They don't ooh and ah when you get older. They just do it when you're a baby. And they was ooh and ah over this baby, and I just looked at it, and I, I just said, that's an ugly baby. I just, I'm just a cat. I, I just said, that's an ugly baby. I, mean, I just said it. Well, that sure is an ugly baby you got there. And um, It was. I mean, face was all wrinkled up, had a cone head, but it was. But let me tell you what the problem was. That mother did not see it the way I did. And she let me know real quick that she didn't see it the way I did. Well, I guess if your mama thinks you're pretty, it's good. You've got to have somebody on your side. But here's, my, here's my point. Here's my point. That ain't my baby. 
doesn't matter what I think. That woman birthed that baby. She's got a right to say whether it's pretty or not. You listen to me. The devil in hell didn't create you. That school teacher didn't make you. God Almighty created you. Right there's who you are. And if you're thinking anything or saying anything except that right there, you're missing who you are. And if you want to know why life's in a mess sometimes, right there's a reason. I am not a loser. I do not struggle. I'm not afraid. I am chosen by God. I am predestined. I am a child of the living God. I am more than a conqueror. I am well able to do everything he's put in my heart. I am an overcomer and I am a champion. You say, well, you cocky thing. What does the Bible call it? Faith. Faith says what God says. You know what we need to get back to? Just get back to this book. I don't know if they do it now or not. Years ago, I used to watch a fellow on TV. I loved him. Name was John Osteen. His son, Joel, pastors his church now. But years ago, John Osteen never started a service till they told people, said, take your Bible, hold it up. Repeat after me. This is my Bible, my very own Bible. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. I will be taught the word of God today. I will receive the seed. It'll change my life and I'll never be the same again. Dear ones, you know what that's called? You say, that's cute. That ain't cute. That's faith. That's getting the word of God in your heart and in your mouth. That's what changes people's lives is by talking like that. You need to talk about yourself. Now I said something the other day. You know, I'm getting older and dirt now. And somebody said, oh, don't, don't. That's a bad confession. Don't make it. I said, I'm picking. Knock it off. I don't believe I'm older and dirt. Let me tell you what I say all the time. I am as strong at 85 as I was at 40 to make war to go in and come out. I will be fresh and flourishing. You watch. I will be fresh and flourishing in my old age like the cedars of Lebanon. I will still bear fruit in my old age. That's what's in my heart. That's what I really believe about me. I've meditated. I'll be exercising and I'll just say, I'm a strong day five, I'm 40. I mean, it's hard to pant and blow and say that all at the same time, but it's in there. <laughs> you see, I, I, started, I started getting a little older and then the doctor told me I had heart trouble. I said, let me look that up in the Bible. You know what I found in the Bible? I will run the way of thy commandments for you will strengthen my heart. And I began to just, I just kept chewing on it and meditating on it. And you, you say, you sound like you believe that stuff. It's true. I do believe it. You watch. I'm as strong at 85 as I was at 40. And I'm not just going to sit around with white socks and black shoes at Walmart staring at women. I'm going to be doing something. I'm going to be bearing fruit in my old age. You watch. You say, you think so? No, I don't think so. I know so. Listen. I don't wait to see faith cause those things which be not as though they were. Let me ask you a question. Which came first? Did Jesus say it first or did it happen first? He said it first, then it happened. Say, well, I see it when I believe it. You ain't never going to see it. You've got to say it first. Faith speaks first. Isn't that the nature of the Father? He said, let there be light. And there was light. You've got to start saying what he says. You've got to say what he says. Listen to me. Don't you believe this junk about your family? God didn't give you those kids to be stolen by the devil. He's a thief. He wants to steal your children. I saw this years ago, and I've never said, Lord, help my children. I never prayed like that. I just speak it out in prayer. I just say this. Praise God, my wife's going to be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of my house. All my children are going to be like olive plants around my table. All my children will be taught of the Lord, and great will be the peace of my children. Amen. I've been saying that for years. Guess where I got that from? You know what that's called? That's called faith. That's, called, that's in my heart and it's in my mouth. Guess what? He will have what he says. Now, let me tell you about my church. I pastor a church. Oh, these are terrible days to be pastor. Churches are dying. Churches are dying. All them heathens. Ain't nobody loves God no more. Yada, yada, yada. I'm not listening to that mess. Let me tell you something. I pastor a church that is being built on the rock of revelation and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And the people are going to love God and worship God and they're going to love each other. And this little church in Hall River, North Carolina is going to touch the entire world. I believe that. I say that. Now, dear ones, I didn't start saying it after I saw it. I saw it after I started saying it. That's why it's imperative to get this word down inside of our hearts. All right, let me do one more and then I'm done. Maybe. I think. How many of you know we all got a future? Look at people. I hear it all the time. I hear, I hear preachers. Bless their dear, ignorant hearts. I hear preachers. Apparently, they don't own Bibles. Need to close your laptop, open your Bible. Say that with me. Close your laptop, open your Bible. Preachers need to do that. 
And I hear them say, you know, we're peering into an uncertain future. And they get this real serious look on their faces. I don't know where they need Geritol. I don't know what they need. Looks like I need laxative, pretty much what it is. Listen to me. I am not staring into an uncertain future at all. Why would I do that? Let me tell you something. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear any evil for thou art with me. You're rod and you... Listen to me. I know my future. Goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. Every day of my life, the love of God's going to be on me and His blessing's going to be on me. Though a thousand fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, it will not come near me. Because He's going to give His angels charge over me. And not only that, I'm going to be selling bananas when nobody wants one. I'm going to be successful. <laughs> you know why? I'm going to prosper in everything I put my hand to because the world may be in trouble, but the kingdom is not in trouble. And then one of these days when I live out my full life past 85, I'm going to croak and dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Praise God. That's li- I don't see any uncertain future in there. I see a pretty good planned future. What do you think? I hope greater is he that's in me than he that's running this world right now. Man, listen, we need to buy us a Bible and close them laptops. Can I get a witness? All right, Lord Jesus, I just want to praise you and thank you. Thank you that your word is life to those who hear it, healing to all their flesh. I give you the praise and glory. Dear Lord Jesus, personally, I always wondered if he died to give us so much, where is it at? Thank you, it's got to be in our hearts and in our mouths. I praise you for the simple truth that life and death, life is in our tongues. And he who loves it will eat the fruit of it. I praise you and bless you for you. I pray for every person in here today. I declare they will receive the word of God. And they will see the truth that will set them free. And your word will be a light and a lamp to their feet. And I thank you that we, as as Joshua did, we will be strong. We will be of great courage. We will not fear because you're going to be with us. But this book will be in our mouths and it'll be in our hearts and we will make our way successful. I declare it in the strong name of the Son of God who loved me enough to die for me so he could save me and bless me. I'll never get over it and I'll never stop telling it. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.